considered a recovery, not a rescue. Meteorologists say the last time low temperatures broke minus 30. When they find you, ask for Henry Deaver. Can you hear me? Have we checked out his ears? and welcome to the Castle Rock Historical Society. This is our inaugural episode of the unofficial companion podcast to the new Stephen King series on Hulu, Castle Rock. Mm. Um, my name is Hannah Selector. I am from the Undead Airlock podcast. It's a horror genre podcast, and uh, I am joined by my awesome co-host. My name is Acadia Einstein, and I'm from Strangeful Things, where we make stuff you didn't want to know fun to learn and i all that creepy stuff yep all the stuff that hannah likes in movies we do for real and it's not not the same and i'm super excited to be able to do this because they've been teasing the show for like a year and i remember i used to listen to fat man on batman the kevin smith Thing back when everyone was excited for the DC movies until they actually came out and then everybody hated them. Um, but his partner on that show, Mark Bernadin, got hired to write for Castle Rock. So he's been kind of like teasing it out for more than a year. And I'm, I'm sick of him waiting. So now I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah, I know. I think I saw the trailer for the Super Bowl and I was really hyped about mm-hmm. it. And then it's been a while. I mean, that was not as long as a year, but... Yeah, I'm ready. And we watched the first episode called Severance. And yeah, and, and then we stopped. So this yeah. is a genuine only first episode reaction. So Yep. We're not we're not cheaters. We don't feign our our disbelief or shockedness. It's all like at most it's been cooking for like a half an hour cuz I just finished it. And yeah, I did too, actually. See, see, we're genuine folks. We're going to be up in the middle of the night trying to make this get jammed into iTunes, because that's how much we care. Um, why, Hannah, do you like Stephen King? Other than probably when you were 12, you started reading him and then you couldn't stop. Oh, gosh. I mean, if you're a horror fan and a book fan, there's really just no way you're not going to end up reading some Stephen King. Now, you might not buy everything he's ever written like I have, but (laughs) this might have something to do with when uh, my mom, who's also a huge King fan, was pregnant with me. She read Pet Cemetery. Um, So I was like marinated in Stephen King. Now, to be fair, the hormones made her so crazy that she had to throw the book away outside the house uh, once she finished it. Did she bury Um, it? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then it came back oh. not quite right on her bookshelf but yeah so this is it's genetic it runs in the family oh, and i mean yeah. it's just it's just really fun and it's not all horror so i mean no. like you're not constantly you know barraged with the horribleness right. yeah and right for myself since i'm from maine it's i think it was on my birth certificate that i had to like Stephen King and like I've been to where his house is his house in Bangor that has a wrought iron fence but the the gate is spider webs and the tops of the posts are bats like and his house is just there in the town it's not like in some far away 
like long driveway ish area. Oh and, yeah, it's uh, so cool. I yeah. gotta visit. He was he was a like a regular schlub for the longest time, and he's still kind of a regular schlub. It's just that now he's not all coked up, and he <laughs> instead of coke, he just shoves actual money up his nose. I think now because <laughs> he has enough to do that. And, yeah, why not both? Yeah, exactly. And I mean. I mean, there's always stories about, oh, I saw Stephen King at the store, and, you know, Stephen King made me feel uncomfortable at a laundromat, and those are, like, older people that <laughs> say stuff like that, and he has done Maine proudly, I would say, for the most part, and oh, yeah. since Castle Rock is one of, I mean, honestly, I really only think, and I'm gonna give you a little Maine orientation, just because I think it's important because Castle Rock is a supposed to be a part of the state. And and one thing you can say for King is that he knows where he came from. Because the only places he ever really writes about are Pittsburgh, Colorado, Maine, and now Florida. And those are the only places he ever lived. And he didn't even really live in, in Pittsburgh or, or Colorado very long. It's just... You know, I think if he stayed at a Denny's during a storm once, he'd probably write a book about that because he only writes what he knows. Good policy. Write what yeah. you know. And Castle Rock, if Derry is supposed to be Bangor, which it is, and Bangor is sort of the last town in Maine. Because Maine is, it's it would hold all the other New England states inside it, area-wise, but there's only a million people in the whole state. There's huh. nobody and once you get past Bangor, there's not even towns. I mean, there are some, but a huge swath of Maine is just forest that paper companies own, and it's just cut into squares. So if you're driving to, like, Canada, it'll just say T4. It's like you're playing Battleship, but with trees, because there's literally nothing there. Now, Castle yeah. Rock is kind of, and, and they showed it a little bit at the beginning, you know, when uh, when the the warden is driving to the place he's driving to. No spoilers in case you plan on watching the show between the time I finish this sentence and when we get to, like, the first part of the show. Anyway. Better hurry. Yeah. He, um, driving past those, you know, the houses with all the toys on the porch and the mills and the river and everything like that. Very typical of New England. Super, super typical of Maine. Basically, in the late... 19th century kind of the turn of into the 20th century rather if there was a river there was going to be a mill on it and it would be fat packed with little kids and ladies trying to make shoes or whatever it was they were making and then as soon as they invented a better way to do it they all closed up and that was it and yeah. that's sort of what a lot of what the industrial quote-unquote towns in Maine were and everything else was farmers and so Castle Rock feels like, to me, one of those mill towns, not a coastal town. It's it's an inland, on a river type of deal that just stopped growing in 1930. And But people didn't have anywhere to go, so they kind of stayed and they just... Yeah. <laughs> that's it. And they did, a, they did a great job, I think with the opening of the show communicating that sort of like this sepia tone, this place was once great, but now industry has moved on mm -hmm. and you know, which necessitates the sort of plot point that you get later of the private for-profit prison coming mm -hmm. in 
to create jobs in this once mill town now that industry has sort of poofed Fled. off to other places or you know technology has improved robots took jobs whatever yep so, Basically, yeah. Castle Rock would be a Bruce Springsteen song if Bruce Springsteen sang about monsters. There you go. But there was no Bruce Springsteen music. It was Gene Pitney music. Very true. But, but, so, so what yeah. did happen? Because I honestly, I was playing Candy Crush. I was kind of a little bit engaged, you know, not like I was riveted to the screen or anything. So. Oh, people still play Candy Crush. I am. I'm on board. <laughs> so we open on a solitary drive into a, a wooded area, and I honestly thought this guy was going to commit suicide. Yeah. But like I was it. wrong. See? I totally didn't spoil this for myself. That's I didn't right. look it up. Swerve. I was just like, oh, <laughs> a guy is playing a, a bummer of a song 24 hours from... Tulsa. Tulsa. 24 yep. hours from Tulsa. You know, darling, I'm not coming home. Something's happened to me on the road. It's a very suicide kind mm -hmm. of melody, you know? But then he puts six bullets in the gun, and I'm like, okay, maybe not. Yeah. Um, so the very first note I have in my special little Castle Rock notebook that I was excited to crack open is <laughs> this pokey stick body search method seems not good. Yep. Because he starts stabbing at a path, and I didn't know that was what he was doing at first, but stabbing at a frozen path with a stick with a piece of cloth tied to it. And then... You, the only reason that I'm drawing from that that he was looking for a body was he stopped when he thumped a deer body. Yes. So, and yeah. that is the only reason that you would know that that's what he was doing whatsoever. And, right. And, and the little radio piece that you probably heard at the in the intro, yeah. they were talking about how little Henry Deaver, they were going to call off the search until spring because it was so cold and they were going to turn it into a recovery instead of a rescue. And yeah. so... Then you kind of piece together that that must have been what he was doing. And he uncovered the deer. And I was super sad because the dead deer, his left eye was sticking up. Because if he had been the other way, he would have been the right eye deer. <laughs> and I've been thinking about it ever since. And he no. wasn't. He was the wrong idea. And yeah. so then I guess... He gets tired of poking at the path. Because if you were lost and you right. fell right on the path, you'd think that would have been covered already. Yeah. And so, you know, you find out later that he tells someone that he's good friends with the missing boy's mother. So mm -hmm. maybe he's doing this on his own free time. He knows it's a body recovery mission at this point. He is, this character we then see as he takes a break is he's wearing one of those big puffy jackets with the word Pangborn embroidered yep. on it. And... Now... Uninitiated King fans might not recognize that name, but Alan Pangborn is a character from a novel called Needful Things. Mm. Played by the marvelous so Ed Harris. Yes, yes. And um, I know you're a fan of the book because we were talking about mm -hmm. Pangborn quotes a little bit earlier. So do you want to give like a brief synopsis of what Needful Things is about? I'm hoping it's, it'll play into the show it i can't imagine it wouldn't because there's right. not a ton of stories that are actually super castle rock focused that aren't like the body is castle rock but that's not really a horror movie shawshank right. is right near castle rock but again not a horror and i find that interesting because usually king's most successful film projects are the things that were never scary to start with and right. needful things was about i mean essentially the devil 
or an incarnation of the devil, or who knows, maybe somebody from the territories or from another level of the tower, who comes to Castle Rock and opens up a uh, store called Needful Things, and essentially he just starts trolling everybody, saying, hey, you really like that object of the, you know, desire that the person wants? Well, you know what? I could let that go for a bazillion dollars, or you could just do me a little favor. And the favor would constitute, you know, doing something nasty, a harmless prank to somebody else in the town that would get attributed to somebody else in the town until one of my favorite things, not just in Stephen King world, but in all of life is near the end of it when Ed Harris as... Sheriff Pangborn just shoots his shotgun into the air and goes, this shit stops now. <laughs> it's my yes. favorite. I, I tried to find that quote. And I think once I find it, I'm going to go back through all our episodes. And when they end, I'm just going to put that. I was going to say, that's a great sign off. Mm-hmm. I mean, and especially if you end up hating us. Yeah, exactly. This shit, <laughs> this shit stops now. That's like, right. It's over. Shut it down. So... Yeah, Needful Things, the guy named Mr. Gaunt, and your miniature Faustian bargain outlet. It's mm-hmm. great. <laughs> Such a fun story. Um, and so this is that guy. Now, it says at the beginning of the show, this is 1991. Yeah. Uh, Needful Things was written in 1991, basically mm-hmm. right after Stephen King, or it was published in 1991, basically right after Stephen King got out of rehab. Mm-hmm. So whether or not the story is supposed to take place in 1991, eh, I don't know. I don't remember. But you've got to assume that all that stuff with Mr. Gaunt is over because Alan's got time to go stick poking in the woods looking for missing kids. Very true. But maybe not. Maybe we'll find out. It's not. I don't know. Remind me of my rat. What? About 1991? Hmm. Where did it jump to next? 2018. Exactly 27 years later. Yeah. Just like Pennywise. Oh, snap, you're right. Yeah. And I mean, like, the you can't ignore the Pennywise references because Bill Skarsgård crops up mm-hmm. and he's the new Pennywise. Um, but so then the next thing that we kind of see is that Alan is calling to a boy on the ice, calling him Henry Deaver. So we assume he's found the missing kid who looks not frostbitten, not really that harrowed by anything, yeah. even though not it's weathered. been a long enough... Yeah, no, not covered in snow, not dirty, not whatever, but it's he's been missing long enough for this to now be a body hunt, mm-hmm. which might be a smaller amount of time in the dead of winter. I don't know. I read a lot of true crime stuff, but <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Now, did not you hear enough, the apparently. ice? Oh, right, right, right. And like the sort of man bear pig howling noises coming out of the woods there. Well, see, creepy stuff. now you're from Chicago, right? Yeah. Okay, so... You're like creaking on the ice. Like super, I mean, I don't know what Lake Michigan sounds like when it creaks. It probably like ends the world. But like on ponds, it does make some weird ass noises. I mean, it never like coughed up a kid that was all dry magically in the middle of said ice. But it's... (laughs) Right. Now, my sub... (laughs) I turned on subtitles because it is actually a good way to pick up things. That's smart that you might also miss. And it was referred to as monstrous howling, but I know it's not the staff of the show typing the subtitles. So. <laughs> monstrous I, howling. I, yeah, now I want to take a picture howling. of my TV with it saying that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so yeah, I, 
but it did make my brain jump to it being some sort of creature, but I like the ice thing better. I think it's subtler. I think it's smarter. Unless it's the unless the creature was under the ice. So it's both. Of course, why why can't it be both? Mm-hmm. So then yeah, as you said, suddenly it's twenty seven years later. Yep. And we are still in and that's when you see that sort of sweeping panorama of the main town with the river mm-hmm. and the mill. And now we did we see that little family scene, right? With um Mr. Tracy and Mrs. Tracy. They're very I, Dude, I together. love her. I've loved her since Six Feet Under, and she's 100, and it's wrong, and she's got a fake eye, and I don't care. I love her. She does creepy so good. Like, the instant she comes on screen, I'm like, oh, I'm suspicious. I am unsettled. It's either, and at first, when she spoke her beginning lines, I was like, she's a really good actress. And then, as the show went on, I went, no, wait a minute. Yes, she's a good actress, but the people that made this show cared about the accents. Because main yeah. accents are not Massachusetts. They're similar, but they're not. But when she goes, oh, I'm going to Portland to buy some shorts, it that's exactly what it would sound like. Like, it, it, there was no... And, and you mentioned Pet Cemetery. Fred Gwynn in Pet Cemetery is the worst main accent ever <laughs> done in the history of main accents. Like, I get what he was trying to do, but it was nobody has ever sounded like that from any place on the planet. And but Francis Conroy, and then later on when the when the um that kind of assistant warden guy is explaining to the other lady about, Oh, well, you know, this one, there's still the bullet. The people sound like they're from Maine. And that, that meant a lot to me that they cared to not just make it like a generic. Oh yeah. You're, you know, just say wicked a lot. (laughs) Wicked. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a, that's a tough one with some nuance and, you know, I probably wouldn't recognize a bad main accent unless it was like super overboard bad, but I'm glad that they're doing a good job. Yeah, and I was I was really thrilled about that. I mean, the whole Mrs. Tracy, Mr. Tracy thing yeah. made me think like, yeah, something's not quite right here. Also, why do you have to go to Portland to buy shorts? Because okay, that far away. So here's remember I told you there's a there's a million people in the whole state, right? Yeah. The mall in South Portland, That's it's not in Portland, it's in South Portland. It's called the Main Mall. Huh. Not the Portland Mall, not Evergreen Mall, not there's a mall everywhere. It's called the Main Mall. There's not a ton of malls. So if you oh. want shorts, you gotta go to Portland, you're I probably guess. going to Portland because there's no... And, and this was... I mean, there's not even a ton of Walmarts or anything like that because there's not enough people to sustain them. That's so interesting. And yeah, it's like, weird. More power to you, Mrs. Tracy. She's going to buy shorts for her husband. Yep. Because he's retiring. And I thought that was a funny line with the, we're going to find out if he has knees. Yeah, like, that was... Oh, you guys aren't cute. sleeping together, I guess. Yeah, like, no. Maybe he... <laughs> but maybe he could wear those, like, pajamas that are, like, little business suits. You know, that yeah. like, with pockets he, for some reason. He, you know, he could be one of those people who irons his pajamas, you know. Yep. 
That is an un- that is an unhealthy mind. That is an indication <laughs> of an unhealthy mind. If you are with someone who is pressing their pajamas, they have killed at least sixteen yep. people. They're, yes, on. they're um, keeping them flat to keep the other things out of their head. That's right. what they're doing. Control. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're not wrong. Mister Tracy's very troubled. He takes the second solitary drive in the show so far into the woods. Yep, and um. This time it actually does result in a suicide. A really, really weird one. Yeah. Um, I don't like, get it. I was watching it and I actually said, ugh, like, it's so unnecessary if you're gonna, if you're gonna do the deed. I just yeah. feel like it's not necessary to tie a noose to a tree, feed it through the window of your car, and then drive off of the cliff so that you essentially, like, rope guillotine yourself. Yeah, and car. and especially well, it was a Lincoln, so maybe he super liked the car, but the it's so elaborate. And I was like, at it first, is. I was like, well, he's gonna fake his death, and then I'm like, well, he's not faking it very good if he puts that noose around his neck. But it just seems so like wily coyote, and yeah. I mean, I guess it wasn't that high of a cliff, so if he just drove off it, he'd probably just like be sitting in the lake, like annoyed because the car hadn't sunk yet. You know, like, yeah. just drumming his fingers on the dashboard. Was this the only scenario you could come up with that was going to work and be, like, expedient and something you couldn't escape? Also, the dog coming up over yeah. the... And it wasn't Cujo. That... Cujo was no, a Castle was... Rock story. That was not was a, a St. Bernard. It was a beautiful little sheepdog. Little yeah, English was... sheepdog. And, like, Big if dog. I was feeling down, yep, that would have been a sign to me, like... No, things are going to be okay now. You don't need to drive off of a cliff with a noose fed through the window of your car. But he made a face like the dog meant something. So that'll be interesting to see what that is. It's clearly not his dog. No. You You couldn't kill yourself in front of your dog. What kind of monster would that be? Still, though, I'm like, that dog's going to need therapy now. What if the dog took the head? Because, spoiler alert, we couldn't find the head. Nope. Which... Like, I don't know how, how on earth that would be possible. I'm thinking about the horrible, gory logistics of, yep. like, clearly the rope is the severing agent, so it's not going to necessarily be attached to anything that's going to pull an object and fling it anywhere. I don't think, no. but whatever. Someone took it. The head is missing, and <gasps> it, it might not have gone in the water, I guess, or Or it I don't did, know. and since it was Castle Lake... Off the same bluff where Pangborn was sitting mm-hmm. when he found Michael, maybe yeah. the monster that was in the lake took the head. The lake monster. The what did you call the, it? The, Horrific moaning. What was yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was, um, it was monstrous howling. Monstrous howling. Monstrously howling. Can we change the name of the show? <laughs> just a monstrous howling. Yes. And That's, then people, you know, and we'll just start going, and then say, "Whoa, I, you heard the name of the show? What did you want?" You know, what what were you expecting? Exactly. So no false advertising here. That's a better name for a horror podcast than anything I'd come yeah, up right? with. Yeah, right. Monstrous. So, okay. So as Warden Tracy's car is sinking, we see that bumper sticker that says Main Division of Correctional Prisons. Division yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shawshank. Yeah. Da-da-da. So... I- would you want that on your car? Like, I don't want 
people if, to get that much personal information about me in one like glance. But you if know? you like, so if you run also, a prison, probably right. the people in the prison don't like you. So if they get yeah. out of the prison later and they're walking through the the I don't know the CVS parking lot and they see your car there that says, "Hey, I work for the jail." Oh, you know they're just farming those people in from other states. I suppose. You know, There's, yeah, that's true. Whatever, but like I have a thing about bumper stickers in that nothing you put on a bumper sticker is important enough for me to care about while I'm driving. So it's for you. I think it's you know whatever. <laughs> I don't, I don't need to know. Why are you doing it? And what about the, vanity license plates? Now I'm just intrigued. I mean, that I guess is different, though. I'm always intrigued when a vanity plate is something like Spicy Baby. And I'm like, you felt the world needed to yeah, know that whenever true. you were driving. Or um, <laughs> I was in the car with my some member of my family. Might have been a brother. Might have been my dad might have been my husband i don't know talking about the people who have the zombie stick family and they yeah. think they're better than the regular stick family because they're like we ate your stick family and i'm like no this is the same self-indulgent impulse yep. that everybody else is having to be like look at the family that i have but you just made it like slightly edgier i guess because it's zombies anyway the only one i would have gotten of those i saw one and i was so close to buying it um was it was batman and two gravestones <laughs> His parents died, oh. so that's his oh, yeah, whole yeah, yeah. But it's supposed to be an analog for your family, Acadia, which it makes will... me think, like, who'd you kill? Yes. You know? I wear a mask. Uncomfortable questions. <laughs> which, that's which the other, a... other show. It comes on yeah. after Monstrous Howling. Monstrous Howling, Uncomfortable Questions. Yes, exactly. this, shit is, this shit ends right now, you know? <laughs> we gotta get... We gotta, we gotta put the, the trademark on some of this stuff. Yes, we do. So anyway... Shawshank, the prison, the exact one that everybody's thinking about. Um, mm -hmm. The movie, The Shawshank Redemption, was taken from two Stephen King short stories, um, whose names I had in my other notes that I left outside this room. Well, but, the titular one, Rita Hayworth. Right, there we go, Rita Hayworth. And yes. The Shawshank Redemption. There we go. Of the poster. Mm -hmm. And that was a very faithful adaptation, honestly. Yeah. The movie. Um when we were or when i was watching this earlier with jason he was like when they owe hole in the closed off prison ward he's like is that the poop shoot and i'm like no that's not it's not the shawshank escape hole is that where andy went through the crapper <laughs> right exactly it's like no it's not that um so yeah we we go to shawshank prison and it's the same old story that's happening all across America right now. It's become a for-profit prison. Mm -hmm. um, and we've got our new corporate savvy warden coming in who's not interested in the four suicides that have taken place before she got there. Nope. Because I would be if I were taking a job there. Yeah. You know, but she seemed very confident. Me. Yeah. Yeah. She knows what she's doing, I guess. Or she knows how to tow the corporate line. Because well, she did that whole creepy lying thing to Henry when he comes later. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Sure. Well, but I'll yeah, tell she's you. A, she's a hard lady. She's wicked hard. And mm -hmm. I was also proud of the show for pressing a little bit on one of the things that makes for-profit prison so horrific. Like this kind of goes into yeah. will be an episode of Strangeful at some point. 
if you keep X occupancy, you get more money from the state. Right. So the goal is to have as many people in jail as possible, which you'd think the opposite would be what you wanted. Like, okay, well, you don't need to be in jail anymore. Go become a person that works at Pottery Barn or something. But it's not. Right. It's, the, it's exactly the reverse. Get them in, keep them in. And the more beds yeah. you have filled, the more money you get. And what did they say? Something like the gymnasium is full or something like yeah, that. Yeah, they said like, that everything was full except for the place of the Christmas fire. The Christmas fire, which mm -hmm. was, so this was a block of cells that was shuttered in 1987, mm -hmm. I guess, after the Christmas fire. Now, that was the one little instance that seemed specific that I couldn't come up with a Stephen King reference. No, for I couldn't either. I think it's, it's going to be canon so, of the show. So they'll right. tell us. So hopefully we didn't miss something that someone else has already gotten, but I, I don't think we did. But now I wait. I couldn't think of anything. But then S now I want to think about stories that took place at Christmas time. Die hard. No, stay on track. Gremlins. So, no. <laughs> so, but now the fire was before Warden Lacey because they said 30 years. Right. So... I mean, unless they're fudgy, if it was 30 years, then he would have come the year after the fire. Right. Because remember, she says he kept it vacant for 30 years. Yeah, and they did name drop the actual warden from Shawshank, whatever his name was. Oh, the guy before that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, the obtuse and, one. Yes, exactly. Well, you're being obtuse. Um <laughs> Family Guy is the garbage show, but there was that one Shawshank Redemption episode that was funny. Like, you're being obtuse, and he's, like, sitting in his chair. At his <laughs> he's, and he's like, well, now you're being acute, and yeah. I appreciate that kind of humor. Anyway, so we've got that really earnest prison guard who yep. seems... Smolensky, like, or whatever his name was. Yeah, it was like a Z name. It yeah. was definitely Polish, Polish name, for sure. In. Yes, absolutely. And as uh, someone from Illinois, I am familiar with a great many Polish <laughs> names. Um, so he seems to be very, you know, morally minded and like want to do the right thing. And I'm sure that's going to be ground out of him real fast yeah. in this uh, job. And everyone already hates him for it. Yep. You know, he's trying to be the good kid. It's not working out. So he and his buddy go off to this closed board because, of course, the for-profit people are like, well, hot damn, we had to turn that into bed space, like, yep. right now, because we need more money. And that place was gross. It's It was gross, and more kudos, because when he said, oh, it was an inmate barbecue, I oh, just yeah. felt like somebody from jailbird barbecue. my high school did yeah jailbird barbecue it's sound that's perfect and then yeah. he decides hey i'm sure nobody's slept in this musty old prison cot how, for 30 years so i'm gonna take a nap <laughs> how disgusting is that like right? leaving aside the fact that there was a huge fire that i yep. assume people died in the stuff that goes on on prison mattresses like no thanks not yeah. sleeping on one your own Especially pillow that you're gonna go to sleep on tonight is filled with your own head dust so imagine yeah. going to sleep on a bunch of murderers' head dust. The gallons of drool that are in my pillow created yep. by one individual, let alone, like, the turnover that she got in prisons. It's not pretty. Oh. I don't know. But I thought that prison scene was really neat. It looked super creepy. Mm -hmm. um, I would go to that haunted house. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then so, he saw the footprints. Yeah, and those 
Now, again, listen to a lot of true crime stuff, not the best forensics, but that's got to be fairly recent, I would You'd think. think. Because they're fairly undisturbed, they look new. Then again, if if what we find out later is true, really that ash should have been disturbed a lot more than it was in that scene. You'd think. Unless he's putting his shoe in the exact same footprint every time he... <laughs> Um, he's like Danny Torrance in the end of The Shining, like matching his footprints going backwards in the maze. Right. Exactly. You know, but anyway, whatever. Movie magic, TV magic. Anyway, uh, good boy corrections officer follows these footprints to a mysterious hatch that looks like the top of a submarine, but is not. Mm -hmm. um, that obviously no one could get into except from outside like yep. you have to purposely open a huge hatch and lo and behold there's a person inside yeah crazy way um, down way down in there and there's a huge coffee can of cigarettes some of them recently smoked yep uh, which means that someone has been consistently visiting this unfortunate soul in um the cage the, uh, yeah in a cage it was like an animal cage it yep. was really really intense um so yeah and that was and then, little little billy scars god yes oh and i i made a noise that was not human <laughs> because <laughs> prepare He's... to you know learn something about me here acadia i'm attracted to a lot of weird looking dudes and bill Skarsgård is just one of them you, you know, know what? Benedict, Benedict Cumberbatch, Bill Skarsgård. Uh, I feel like Zachary when I professed Quinto. my love for Francis Cockeyed Conroy, I That's sort true. of just, I opened the door for you. So it doesn't really matter now. <laughs> yeah, I have um, in the later prison shower scene, Bill Skarsgård topless underlined twice. That... So I am a consummate professional. That's and Eye for detail. Know. Yeah, exactly. So he's so thin. Someone give him a sandwich. I know. I assume it was for the role. Anyway, so I think essentially right after that discovery is when we bounce to Texas for a little while. Yep. To our, meet up our with hero? Possibly. Or Although the bad he, guy? Yeah, I don't know. I didn't like him by the end of the episode, and we'll maybe talk about why. Um, well, it's not that I didn't like him, I just found that he seems really like cagey yeah he knows way more yeah something like that yeah um so we find out that grown-up henry deaver is a practicing capital defense attorney in texas and, and not super good at it apparently no he's like all of my clients are dead which means that he's not winning any death row appeals which you know to be fair is probably a part of the legal industry that is not skewed in your favor true but um also, yeah. he's in Texas, so... Yeah! I mean, uh, even if he lost 50% of his cases, that probably meant that, like, 200 people got saved because of him. Right. I'll say another keen-eyed King fan moment here. We find out that the woman he's defending, her name is Leanne Chambers. And she is on trial, or, well, she's already had her trial. She's being executed for the murder of her husband, Richard Chambers. Now... Richard Chambers is the name of one of the primary antagonists in the Stand By Me story. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's another little um, Stephen King Easter egg there. Unfortunately, um, he doesn't win this case either. And so this little old lady who killed her 
according to his account, alcoholic and abusive husband, and knowing what we know about um, Richard Eyeball Chambers, as he's called in Stand By Me, um, he was one of the bullies who was like, yep, that guy, the guy's name was, um, it was like Ace or something like yeah, 1956, like that. Yeah, he was that other thug. Yep. So, by all accounts, like, I totally believe that he grew up to be not a nice guy. Someone who, you know, your wife would have to murder. I don't think we got any details about No, but that's a, that was a pretty sweet dig that you got. Yeah. That's awesome. So, Stand By Me is, like, one of my favorites. So that, even though it took me a second to remember Ace's name, I mean, River Phoenix and all of that good stuff. I mm -hmm. saw the movie before I read the stuff. Yeah. Um, because Stand By Me is based on a short story in some collection uh, called, like, We Found a Body or something like that. Different seasons. It's yeah! The story's called The Body. There we go. I, I'm the worst. I'm just, like, not being specific, but there was Yeah, but you dug you out the little fact. All I did was remember the name of the story. Well, there we go. We're a perfect team. That's right. We here. each know everything the other one doesn't. <laughs> it's good stuff. So yeah, um, Leanne was having like some lobster tail for her last meal and whatever. And Cheerios and a hamburger. Ew. Ew on two out of the three of those counts. <laughs> um, yeah, I like Cheerios. I'm allergic to lobster. And oh, you poor I've... soul. Well, you're yeah. not going to get anything good when you go to Maine on your Stephen King tour then. No, no, I guess not. But... Yeah, I'm majorly allergic to shellfish, so Maine would not be a fun culinary trip for me. But, nope. like, what, what kind of alcohol are you guys into up there, you know? Yeah, beer. you'll get that, and you can eat blueberries and yeah. potatoes. Because that's okay. our only other two crops. <laughs> I'm all about starch. I there you go. So, so, yeah, Leanne is, unfortunately, her last-minute appeal does not go well. Yet another dead client. But then something kind of weird happens. Yep. And I thought the way that they phrased it when they told it was weird. She's alive again? Yeah. The the injection does not seem to have worked. Now, um, you want this kind of attorney. He very passionately is like, I'm her witness. I'm her witness. You know, yep. you can't do this again. He's beaten the window with a chair. I'm going to have to go back and get the name of that legal case, and I want to ask my boss what she knows about it. Oh, no doubt. Because really? if there is a real legal precedent about, like, if your execution somehow fails and you seem to be dead, but then are not, you can't get re-executed. I think that's a really interesting legal issue. Yeah, that seems fair. Just, if you yeah. die and then and then get better, sorry, folks. Right. Like y'all fucked up. You yep. don't get to try this again. So yeah, and I mean, I don't think that probably would happen very often with a firing squad or other sorts of executions. But like, no, you, but they have know. jacked up. Um, apparently, in real life. They have stopped um, the the one of the drugs that they do to kill you. The people that make it are like, yeah, stop, stop that. You can't you can't use our drug for killing people anymore because nice. there's no drug that's supposed to do that. And so they're just kind of winging it, and they're like, right. I don't know, put some pickle juice in there, and like it's Overdose been, them on this. yeah, there's been some really botched, horrifying like people yeah, going is it supposed to feel this way and it's not right and they're like of course no one feels any pain or anything yeah. like come on come on everybody Rondo, wake up sheeple Bongo. 
Uh, <laughs> I've always wanted to say wake up sheep. And now you can. Wake up, dead Woo! sheeple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I'm gonna. I'll ask my boss at work tomorrow once I get the name of that real case. I work in an actual law office. It's oh, I was gonna say, Hannah works in a bakery. Yeah. <laughs> and has a know-it-all I, boss. I work what? at a Goodwill store, but like <laughs> my boss really loves Wikipedia, and I'm lazy. But no, my boss is an attorney. She's not a capital defender, but I'm sure that we could just look up in yeah. all of those legal resources what it okay. actually is. Anyway. So after he loses yet another client, he gets a mysterious phone call <laughs> from his hometown of Castle Rock. Well, sort of. Shawshank is like Castle Rock adjacent, I guess. And it's from Good Boy Prison Guard, whose name we should actually maybe Smolensky. From... Yeah, 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 yeah. Saying that um, he should come back to Castle Rock because someone has asked for him or whatever. Now, yep. I think I might have slightly skipped over that part with the mysterious Shawshank prisoner. So I suppose we could bounce back there real quick. Oh, you mean when they're questioning him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So unsurprisingly, the dirty human that they found in the cage underneath the prison isn't a big talker. (laughs) They can't really get anything out of him. Um, Did you see how dilated the pupils looked on Bill in those scenes. I'm sure they were contacts, but it was a really neat detail. Yes. But also now when you say dilated, it makes me feel about him. I feel funny. (laughs) Did you see how dilated he was? uh, I'm just, just drinking in all the Bill Scarf. Yeah. Yeah, Clearly because the guy hasn't been in the light. Yes, exactly. Now I want to know how old this character is supposed to be because I don't know how old, he is in real life but it's been 30 years that that place has been shuttered so i don't know if he was moved there shortly after that is it like five years six years is he 25 is he 30 big i feel like that's gonna be right one of the the underpinnings of the whole show i would i would assume right the age at which he goes into the weird underground chamber i'm hoping i mean he's gotta be slightly over 30 you know, yeah. and have been locked down there. But he knows how to talk, we do find out eventually, because he asks for um, blah, 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 Henry Matthew Deaver. Mm-hmm. And they think that he's introducing himself that way, but the locals know that's not Henry Deaver. And the dude, he sounded, he's like, that ain't Henry Deaver. Yeah. And it's perfect. Yeah. And so then that's when good boy prison card calls up Henry Matthew Deaver. We see that Henry, after losing his case, has gone with a bottle of booze to an alligator farm. Yes. To contemplate, you know, mortality or something Yeah, because the old lady was like, oh yeah, I used to go to the alligator farm with my father. Yeah. But I don't get, like, why was that kid trolling the alligator just by holding the chicken over there and letting it flap? And I'm like, is he going to feed that chicken to the alligator? And then he just went off with it. Yeah, that's Let that chicken mean. go, you little shit. <laughs> yeah, what are you going to do with it? Also, like, I want to know if that's, like, a real attraction that exists. Like, a place where you can just go watch... Oh, 100%. feed alligators? Okay. I mean, cool. More power to you. Um, I once fed an alligator on a golf course, and I wasn't supposed to. I got in <laughs> a fair amount of trouble for it. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm not saying the state, so they can't come after me. But it happened. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So that's when he gets that phone call 
asking him to come back to Castle Rock because this mysterious inmate has said his name. And the way the prison guard phrased it, it's like, you're his attorney. Are you his attorney? Or something like that, which is obviously impossible. Mm -hmm. But that'll be the best way for him to get into the prison. Unfortunately, though, this guy doesn't have a name. So when he shows up, it's... The, the new tough warden lady basically is like, sorry, we don't have any records. Here's our, um, here's our scrapbook, oh, prisoners. Yeah, that... did you see how many pages were in that? He didn't sit there and look through that. And but, he doesn't know what the guy looks like. Right. And also, so what if some guy who's in the middle of the book gets discharged and they, up oh, got to print a whole new picture book. Everybody moves over one. Like... You just slap a sticky note over it yeah, or something? She, she did say, we're moving over to computers, but yeah. it's a slow process. Yes, so. but for right That's now, we're just going to keep color forming these prisoners and like erasing names and putting other pictures on them. <laughs> yeah. Worse yet, they did color printing. Like, how long did that take? Yeah, it's that terrible. Was, it's terrible. That dumb system. It's 2018. Come on. Yeah, and they're going to uh, be um, like, yeah, we can't take any more prisoners unless their name begins with J. Because otherwise right, the book is going to be boned. Yeah, you're right. Like, if they got a prisoner that needed to be inserted between yeah. two... Because there were only, like, three to a page. Exactly. System. <laughs> Whatever. It was supposed to be a visual moment. It was visual, but as an overthinker, it made me meh. So, um... And then I'm like, is he licensed to practice law in both states? Maybe he went to law school in Maine and originally got licensed there and then went to Texas. I don't know. Either way. Well, I'm that's sure. another part of the mystery. What happened between yeah. the time... Mm-hmm that he got found and he left yeah, because there was a little blip where one prison guard explained to the other who henry deaver was mm -hmm. um and he's of course this missing boy that we saw at the beginning with sheriff pangborn um but then we find out a little bit more that when he was or shortly before he was found his father was like found basically frozen with a broken back Yep. Um, and he died a few days later, I think, after he was found, is the timeline. And the whole town blamed him. Yep. Now, that's all just taken as, like, an acceptable thing to do. So one has to believe that there's going to be some weird things that are going to come out about why people are so quick to believe that an 11-year-old boy could potentially be culpable for breaking a grown man's back and leaving yeah. him to freeze. You know, because that's... That'd be tough. But even when for... he was walking up the hill, when he first yeah. got there, that tubby dingus that was standing on the side of yeah. the road just looked at him and went, killer. <laughs> like, yeah, Get out of here, like, Chet. This is alone. not a nice town. Also, like, are you keeping tabs on this guy on Facebook? Why do you know what he looks like? Like, when he up, is he really the only black kid in town and you just assume? Funny you, you should know? say that. Right, because they did refer to Maine as being, quote, lily white, so... Lilies yeah. wish they were as white as Maine. Interesting. We're talking 98, 99%. And when you get wow. out of Portland, forget it. It's like 102%. And it, Portland is the cosmopolitan part of Maine. And I'm totally <laughs> like air quoting right now, even though you can't see it. Um, so I heard it. the. There's 60,000 people. It's the biggest city in Maine, and there's 60,000 people. And that's where everybody who's not white lives, basically. Maybe a little bit in, like, Lewis and Auburn, a couple of the, like, abandoned mill towns. But after that, kind of, unless they're a specifically a refugee that's been placed 
there, which seems like any refugee from a like a, a, a country that's warm that gets placed in Maine is being punished. Anyway, yeah. there's no there are no people of color. And okay. I went to high school with a kid who was adopted by white parents. He was African American and he introduced himself everywhere we went as hi I'm Maine's only black hockey player and he was right. Wow. Okay, so maybe that's why that fat guy said that, because yeah. obviously, you know... He was like, uh, hey, only black guy I've ever seen, not on TV. <laughs> yeah, and you killed your dad, so, hey, killer. That was just such a, a dick move. And then and, he gets to his mom's house, and she makes all of those, like, oh. weird comments, like, she doesn't remember him, first of all. Yeah. She asks this guy who's wearing a business suit, did you bring your own chainsaw? Yeah. Okay, let's look in the garage. Don't be shy. I think she said, like, we were all immigrants once, except Sitting Bull. Yeah. So and she, made a lot, she made a lot of assumptions based on, like, one look at a guy. Yep. But and she almost wrong. burned her house down. Because oh, she yeah. started and, cooking oh. something and then just bumbled out into the yard. God, and he touched that cast iron pan with his bare hand, and yeah. I had, like, a Vietnam-style flashback to the <laughs> the other week. I was like, no! Ah, burning your hand is so bad. So, she shouldn't be alone. No, and she had, like, fired the nurse, or she made some more, like, kind of worrying comment that the nurse might have died. Yeah. Like, that was weird. Um, but yes, Constance is gone, and then we... Suddenly there's Alan, Pangborn. Yep. And Henry doesn't seem happy about it. And by the way, we should point out, this okay, is yeah. Oscar winner Sissy Spacek. Yes! Who was Carrie. the original Carrie. And yeah. then Scott Glenn is the older Alan Pangborn. And the odds of you having seen my favorite Scott Glenn movie are pretty much zero. But it's a super, super, super old Michael Mann horror movie called The Keep. The and Keep. it's about this weird castle in Romania and there's Nazis and a vampire but it's also sort of a space vampire and it's just bananas and Scotland is in it. Alright, well I'm gonna obviously have to watch that. Yeah, it's it's nuts. Yeah, sounds like it. So yeah, Sissy Spacek like the, the references to not only written Stephen King works but film works and other stuff, there's a lot of purposeful stuff being done so I think this is gonna be a fun show to like look yeah, for. Yeah, for sure all of these hidden things on. Um, so yeah, he's not happy about Alan staying in his mom's house. There's some implications of possibly a romantic relationship. I don't know, but... What do you Alan say we enjoy each other's companion companionship? Yeah. And he's sleeping at the house and wearing his dad's clothes. Oh, we missed a scene. Um, Henry goes to that church. Oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's the portrait on the wall of Reverend M. Deaver, which we then can extrapolate is his adoptive father because mm-hmm. um, he does talk about him later leading bible studies and stuff like that so and of course now we want to know when was henry adopted yep you know okay prep for my insane probably not correct needful things related theory and i would like listeners to take note that i have not done outside internet research i've only watched the third episode or the first episode excuse me and this is just off the cuff but like what if either the kid the, who's imprisoned underneath Shawshank or Henry is some sort of needful things type adoption, like the thing that they wanted the most was a kid. <sighs> and 
that's what they got either the kid under the prison or Henry himself and how that was done like whatever you would have to do to earn a human life with the devil seems like something that would be pretty awful right yeah you know okay so there you heard it here first that was that was my crazy needful things theory like so really I mean no joke you're sticking you're looking at um needful things as sort of a a pillar of this. And I don't disagree with you whatsoever. I mean, because this, that was a castle rock story. I mean, yeah. And like on the cover of, I want to say most of the, the hardcover editions, it was billed as the last castle rock story. I want to say, um, I think it was called that. It didn't end up being that way because you've got like Dr. Sleep and Gwendy's button box and a lot of other connecting stories that have been published since then. But like, I don't think you open a, you frame a show with a central character from a story that you're not going to reference other than to be like cutesy about it. Right. And maybe this is just me really wanting that to be true, but there's my, there's my crazy off the wall theory about, Hey, you, you, you have definitely stuck a a flag in the ground and I'll back you because I got nothing better right now. (laughs) Right. So who knows? Maybe that'll get knocked right down in the next episode, but (laughs) Anyway, I thought it was a fun idea. And Absolutely. Like, that, that would be neat. Um, so, yeah, his father is dead. He was the reverend of the local church. And we find out that the cemetery has been moved when he's talking to Sheriff Pangborn. Like, where's my dad? The cemetery's gone. That was a really brief conversation for something that was kind of important. Like, yeah. And that oh, was yeah, weird. yeah, you know. Yeah. So. And who would. Cemetery's moving bad. Yeah, it's bad. And. I promise, I hope anyway, this is the last weird connection that I have to all of this. But I, the first job I had was Gravedigger. No so, freaking way. Yep. That's cool. So the idea that they went, oh, we're going to take this graveyard and make it a parking lot and mm. dig up all these graves and just send them places that's that's a big excuse the pun undertaking like you can't Ah! it's it's not it's not like that like they it would have been much more likely that they would have left it like in in poltergeist where they move the headstones but you didn't move the bodies this will be fine yeah right and and it's i can't imagine any business wanting the publicity of yeah we really need a parking lot for our insert stupid business so we're gonna pave over a cemetery yeah Yeah, plus it's got to be a super well to do it correctly and maybe we'll find out that they didn't and that there's angry ghosts but like Mm -hmm. to move bodies correctly expensive super expensive moving headstones and stuff like that but anyway they didn't really talk all that much about it yeah and sad like what a bummer um and you'd think there'd be pushback from families. And anyway, hopefully they'll address that again. Maybe yeah. they won't. I don't know. I bet. I um, think it's going to come up again. They wouldn't. Have, they wouldn't have gone so far out of their way to, you know, ex- pseudo explain it if it wasn't going to come back. It's yeah. check. Oh. Right now, it's Chekhov's paved over cemetery. <laughs> right. Exactly. So another thing that we kind of glossed over, but that seems important, that Gene Pitney song that we talked about. Um, that was the song that was playing in Sheriff Pangborn's car on the day that he found Henry when he was now Henry in the future also discussed that song with his death row inmate and disclosed that that was one of his first memories is that Gene Pitney song. That's well, so, or so he says, 
Well, and the flashback he gave was being picked up by... Right. So, so did he have no memories before that? And he says he doesn't remember what happened to his dad or when he went missing. Now, whether or not that's a lie, we don't know, but at least he's presenting that he doesn't really remember much. And it I guess it makes sense because the kid didn't really react to his mom or anything like that, or he wasn't crying. He wasn't, you know, particularly emotional in any way. He didn't seem super distressed. His mom was, like, all emotional when they reunited and everything, but he was just kind of like, eh. Hmm. You know, it wasn't frostbitten or anything. So anyway, just wanted to. He's a ghost sure baby. That. <laughs> yeah. And like, why wouldn't 11 year old not have any memories? Was it because he came from the back of the devil's, you know, store, just bespoke at That's a certain strange. age after, mm-hmm. you know, they lost another kid? Because he's not their biological child. So where'd he come from? Where'd he go? You know, anyway. Um, and this is getting towards the end of the episode. He talks a little bit with Sheriff Pangborn. His mother's not doing well. He seems very confrontational um, with Alan. So one wonders what the problem there is. And he kind of feels like he's like taking advantage of his mom, you know, cashing her checks for her because she's out to lunch. Yeah. Even though they've been friends for a long time. So it could be purely altruistic or purely that he cares about his mother but anyway they seem like they don't get along and i'm sure that'll come into play later yeah it's got to. so um he was unsuccessful at seeing this mysterious client but we get to see the mysterious client again because we go back to shawshank and we see him sitting in a cell watching a mouse which has to be a callback to the green mile even though it's clearly not the same mouse but that imagery is just so and that was my favorite part because i am convinced that he made the mouse go into the trap. Yeah, maybe. Which would explain why the warden killed himself. Oh, snap. Maybe this guy has that kind of power of influence or something. And mm. So if he is, if this is, again, my weird theory here, if this is the kid that they got from Mr. Gaunt, there would be consequences that are ironic in yep. some way. So that could be interesting. Um, but then, like, why is Mr. Tracy, the or why is Warden Tracy the only one with access to him? Because we do find out that Warden Tracy is the person sitting, smoking cigarettes and talking to him. And he did instruct this mysterious inmate. He's not really an inmate, though. He doesn't no. have any criminal charges. He's not supposed to be there. He's not in any of the records. But anyway, Warden Tracy says, when they find you, indicating that he knows that with his forced retirement, like he has no intention of moving this guy, that they're going to discover him in the prison. And so, yeah, then I guess that brings up some other stuff is that he either didn't feel like he could keep the secret anymore. So maybe that's why he committed suicide. He couldn't logistically move the guy or whatever, but he knows that he's going to get discovered. And he says, when they find you call Henry Deaver or ask for Henry Deaver. Yep. Which Henry Matthew Deaver. And there's two pieces of that that I found super significant, but the word significant. Um, super interesting and important. Yeah. The number one, it could not have been. So the actor, um, and his name escapes me right now, but he played Locke on Lost. Yeah, 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 yeah. Locke, who spent the entire second half of the first. 
season of Lost trying to do what? Open a hatch. Aha! And it was his hatch. And the cigarettes that they made a big deal of, mm-hmm. when they went down in the hole again, Smolensky there said, wait, there was a big can of cigarettes here. And then they cut to the warden. She had the cigarettes and she's going to DNA test those things. Right. So and she's going to figure going- out that it was the, the warden. Well, yeah, she found one of his smoked Marlboros on his desk and then compared it to the Marlboros that were in the... But, like, everybody say Marlboros with a uh, a main accent. Marlboros. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the perfect brand to say with yeah. that accent. But, like, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a conclusion that we're supposed to draw that both... Their but she's savvy. She's gonna, yeah. she's gonna get it. Terry O'Quinn is the guy. Yeah, name. there you go. Was J.J. Abrams involved in Lost... I don't remember. Yes. I, okay. I well, he yeah, he's sire. also involved in this. Yep. So there you go. There's mm-hmm. a little J.J. Abrams thingy for you. That actually you know? kind of launched him. And he didn't get oh, the blame. Okay. He didn't get the blame that Lindelof and Cuse did for fucking up the ending either. <laughs> Good Lord. I only watched the first season, but like, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> I've heard people complain about it. Yeah, so. well, they weren't wrong. Mm-hmm. He was the producer, I think. Right. Um. So, we end up with that bomb of the warden telling him, ask for Henry Diva when they find you. Mm -hmm. But it also, to me, opens up how much of the show is going to be flashback. Because you don't have an actor like that, you know, to chop off his own head in the first episode and then show up in one flashback. I mean, there's going to have to be a lot of jumping around. So for a second, when he came back on screen and it was like this weird blue aura or whatever, I was like, is he going to narrate as this sort of dead presence, like be our story guide in some way? And then I was like, how can I connect this to the dead zone or some other like Stephen King thing? Mm -hmm. But then I was like, okay, I'm going to give it some time and let's see what happens in the next episode. Which, like, I might just go watch after we finish recording this. I don't know. Because right here at the end of the episode... While I'm slaving over a hot iTunes. Yeah, exactly. While Acadia's doing all the work. Um, And I just, I just, you know, I just... You're researching. Yeah, and my, you know, occasional savant Stephen King knowledge without Mm -hmm. actual specifics. But yeah, right at the end of the episode, good guy prison guard is watching the monitors. Suddenly the mysterious inmate is basically making eye contact with him through technology, which like you shouldn't be able to do, but it really feels like he's doing. And suddenly there's a lot of dead prison guards in hallways and blood pooling around them. So who's doing that? Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's right off the bat. Like they're not even, they're not wasting any time. They're jumping right into it. No. And that was, that was the end of the episode. So it was like, (laughs) I was so mad because I knew we were coming to do this. And I wanted the reaction to not get mixed with any other episodes, but I was like, well, crap, because now it's like finally getting, getting good. I mean, it was, it was entertaining the whole time, but it was also all shrouded in mystery. This was like some concrete action. Like, yeah, it was oh. a good, it was a good burn. Like it's, yeah. it's, I didn't feel like any pieces of it. And I guess we should do that. Like we watch stuff, but we also get to say if we like it or not, like we're not going to pretend yeah. we like it if it's crappy. And I didn't think it was crappy at all. No, no, I'm like totally intrigued. Oh, we missed the um, the lady who was buying drugs from the high schooler who's clearly oh, going to be significant, yeah. but we don't know how. Opioid crisis. Um, she appears to 
I mean, she appears to maybe hear voices. Um, but also, more concretely, she clearly knows Henry and was hiding from him. Yes. And when she had he that, came back on the bus. And she had that weirdo... She hid from him, and then she went and flipped the hourglass over and looked at the sweatshirt yeah. and looked at the wanted poster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's... Oh, and another little thing, that white statue that in Henry was Henry's hand. In yes, when he was a kid, when he was found, he's holding, like, a little white figurine of a man. You know what that, that made probably... me think of? What? The the Dark Tower books, the the Skull Potter, oh, the, the little yeah. turtle that, that Susanna had. Mm-hmm. Just because it was a white statue. Like, I don't think right. it's going to go any further than that. It might not, but, but uh, it did make me think of that. Yeah, that's a good thought. Because it could have so, been yeah. a different color statue. It, you know what I mean? It could have been anything. Right. So whose jacket was that? Is it supposed to be Henry's? Well, it, it did like, look kind of like a Baja, so it was kind of 1991-ish, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. And, like, I couldn't necessarily tell if it was, like, kid size because it's... But, yeah, she's holding on to it, and she's only allowed to look at it for a minute. I don't know why, but she set a timer before yeah. she pulled that stuff out of the box. So, yeah. I Maybe think... she gets lost if she stays too long. Yeah, so she's buying drugs from a teenager, probably, to... Um, and what... She bought how many... She bought how many 500s for like 40 bucks? That means that Maine is really sad because... It was insanely cheap. For it was super drugs. cheap. Yeah, and what were they? They were like blue pills. I don't know if they were supposed to die. My assumption is based on my like... Because I I go to the the doctor and, and I have shots in my back all the time. So there's yeah. always this, please, I'm not an opioid addict. Like, but are they, do they look like opioids? They, they did. Like they Xanax totally were. I think she was anything. buying either oxycodone or hydrocodone. And okay. that's why they were like, I'm like, that seems super cheap because right? if they're that cheap, then why would there be a crisis? It seems like everybody would have them. Um, yeah. So, and the other part about it that was weird is if you have to buy pills from some skid on the street. That kid was so gross. Anyway. Why then you bite one in half? Like, according to the, the shows I watch about the opioid epidemic, like, people are crushing them up and trying to pour them directly into their eyes and shit like right. that. They're not, like, nibbling on them like it's a little so, trisket. Yeah, and she... I thought I heard whispering when she was on screen. So maybe her addiction is, like, unique in that she's trying to do something like supernaturally with it like just to keep just to keep mellow you know like she's not addicted to it because of the standard opioid addiction reasons which like of course you know is complicated and whatever but i guess we'll find out what she's using them for that's true and well i mean she's really there's not other than you know tubby lunt the guy standing there going killer there weren't a lot of other characters introduced into the whole thing yet no how great would it be if that was that guy's only line in the whole series? Because it's incredibly memorable, but like, right? good on you, random extra guy. How'd you get your SAG card, buddy? Oh, I called the right. guy in Hulu a killer. Casting call? <laughs> yeah. So I guess Man. we haven't, yeah. we're so new, we don't even have like a gimmick. No. And I'm going to, I think we should just let it simmer. We don't need a gimmick for yeah. this episode. We mm-hmm. like how we rate them or anything like that. You know, oh, I'm going to rate it seven skeletons out of nine Viking ships or whatever shit like that that other shows right. do. We'll It'll be organic when we do it. 
Yeah. So Hulu has released the first three episodes already. So, mm -hmm. but we only wanted to tackle the first episode for now because, um, spoiler alert, we both have real jobs and like, you know. Yep. But also just so it's not there to be like an overload of information and we wouldn't miss anything small. Because I think we did a good job of breaking down just about every damn thing that was noticeable or important in the episode. So. Yep. And if anybody looked at a podcast and saw it was three hours long, they would just keep on walking. It's too much time. No yep. one, no one's commute is that long. And if it is, you should switch jobs. That's yep. crazy. It's no good. So, but yeah, Castle Rock episode one. There you go. And not that we're not going to get crack a lacking on the next one, what? like, like right away. They're going to be like exactly. boom, 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 because we gotta, we gotta do all our hard work now, so then we can just lay around for a week until they don't come out until Wednesday. So. Right. So yeah, there will be wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Three episodes of the Castle Rock Historical Society right in a row mm -hmm. for, for you wonderful listeners out there, whomever you might be. And for now, since we didn't come up with a Gmail, you can contact um, me at Acadia on Twitter and Hannah at Hannah Selector on Twitter. Yep. Um, if you're digging it and you know, if, plenty of people are digging it i guess we'll have to consider maybe getting a central point of contact for the historical society on its mm -hmm. own yeah but. and we'll probably make it look all musty and crusty and whatnot so that someday ben hanscom will come over from Derry and start riffling through our books and yeah. manuscripts musty and crusty is very on brand for me damn I'm, straight i'm ready for it so well I am really, really glad that this came together. I like the show. I like you. I like everything we're doing here. I like the fact that Archie, my cat, helped and didn't yell like an idiot the entire time and wreck Thanks, it. Archie. And um, so I guess now I'll slave while you eat your own version of opioid triscuits and watch the next episode while I slave away. All right. Well, good luck on the slaving. It's been fun. Um, yeah, episode two tomorrow. I'm excited. Yeah. Bye-bye. Right, bye. bye, everybody. This shit stops now!